Let's learning begin. process. Let's begin. Yeah, it's it's a learning computer. Um, <laughs> welcome everybody to the uh, the Pud Polars podcast. I'm Travis. I'm Sam. And uh, we like to roll in some mud and pull some pud. Welcome everybody to another week. We. What does uh, that mean? <laughs> I don't know. It just. Just came got, out of my mouth. I got here that we're the the eighth most popular SpongeBob SquarePants fan podcast. Now, on what metric did you measure that? Because at the time of recording, we haven't posted any episodes. Well, I uh, so what I did was I looked up on Pocket Cast just SpongeBob SquarePants, okay. and I found uh, eight podcasts. <laughs> okay, I see. Uh, one of which just seemed to be some kids like messing around with a with their iPhone or something. Like it was one of those like, hey, we're starting a podcast, but only one episode. And so like since it, it clearly had negative views, so uh, that means that we're all the eighth most popular fan SpongeBob podcast because uh, we don't have any episodes up. So yeah, you know, it's not as big of a, it's not as hard of a, an industry to break into. It's just that those top three are really <laughs> are really uh, popular. But I I'm see. sure we could we could really if we want to if we want to spin in that direction, we could just keep talking about SpongeBob. <laughs> what are the uh, what are the top three SpongeBob podcasts doing? Are they talking about new episodes or is it just like reminiscing about the good old days i think it's mostly reminiscing about the good old days from what i could see it was like they were doing episode commentaries i think each week was a new episode and they would like all right we're gonna talk about leaf reef blowers this week okay i feel like you'd run out of material after a while well you know they haven't yet Mm. i have a coworker who um runs like a, a seemingly very popular Harry Potter podcast and uh, goes on like tour and stuff and has like wow. a big audience. So he, he's got a, I don't, I don't know anything about it, but I, he, he talks, tells me about it. And uh, I've always wondered about like, how do you make a podcast about like this set thing that has ended? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or, or maybe it's easier when it's something that's coming out and you're, if you're doing it as it's coming out. But mm-hmm. uh, I have a friend who just did that with uh his Dark Materials, that uh, Golden Compass uh, HBO series. I oh, think it I was see. HBO. Um, right. But yeah, he just like leaned into it and just started doing a, a watch along podcast, and I think it's it's grown pretty significantly. I might be wrong on that, but well, interesting. I mean, uh, that's definitely just a, a fan with a microphone and a passion. That's all it takes, folks. <laughs> That is that is uh, you know all That's it takes the, to uh, to get lots of money and lots of fame and get taken advantage know. of. <laughs> yep, exactly. How you doing, Sam? How's your uh, how's your week been? My week's been pretty slow, Travis. Uh, That's too bad. I, I I don't know if people can hear it, but uh, I think we're both recovering from uh, illnesses this week. But yesterday, I just I I spent the entire day in bed. Um, oh, no. With the exception of, of I, I went out around five because I had a laser hair removal appointment, which is always fun. Uh, it's like they're uh, sticking white hot uh, needles into your face, but you only realize it a second after it's happened. So Ugh. like, ooh, it's, it's, it's painful, but it's already over. It's great. It's good. And the girls are so nice. <laughs> oh, that's it's, that's the best part, I'm sure. It's really like one of the, the layers of hell. <laughs> You've got this smiling girl above you just, Hi! Hey there, Gorge! We're going to make you look pretty! Do they <laughs> ever call you Hun? You. Oh, Hun, sweetie, all the time. Okay, good. Because I like to imagine that that's how it always it always is. Lots of Huns. But I can't uh, I can't argue with the results, so. Oh, very nice. We're, we can't, well, we can't um, that. I can definitely relate to uh, the feeling of, of illness, uh, as many people can tell by uh, how turned on my voice is making them this week. Uh, oh, yeah. You've got a real I, good gravel going this week. Yeah. Whenever I get sick, it goes real deep and uh, <laughs> kind of clogs up the uh, the vocal cords a little bit and gets it kind of gummed up. And if only it were like this all the time, I mean, I think I'd... Uh, I'd be much more successful of a of a man than I am. Today. You think you'd have a, uh, a good radio voice with that that sick voice? Oh yeah, I'd have quite a following. I think. Good I think maybe basic. maybe the trick is to just be sick all the time. You, you know? know, I think I heard that that's what uh, Mark Hamill did actually. Really? Yeah, he was just always sick perpetually. He just injected himself with viruses. And that's how he was able to do the Joker voice, which oh, okay. is, everyone knows. I mean, so I guess yeah. it doesn't work for deep always but is the joke because yeah the joker's not 
a deep voice. No, but it's it cackly, is cackly, I guess. He's, he's cackly. Is that a is that the adjective we're gonna use? Cackly. I don't know. I've never actually <laughs> heard the Joker voice. voice, so I don't. know. Oh, it's good. If you have not heard, uh, you should go back and check out that old uh, Batman the animated series. It's a good one. Well, Holds up. I'm not gonna watch the Spider-Man movie. I'm not gonna watch that. So, <laughs> you know, fair. Um, at work the other day, uh, someone posted in the like team chat some something that I didn't recognize, and I was like, "What is this?" And everyone freaked out because clearly it was a reference to the new Spider-Man movie that everyone and, loved. And you just didn't get it. <laughs> I just didn't get it, and you know, being the one person in the room who hadn't seen it at an animation studio uh, causes a bit of chaos, I think. I guess uh, so. Because clearly it's very beloved. But And people were like saying, like, oh, how lucky for you. You haven't seen it. You get to see it. And I'm like, well, I'm probably not going to. So. Oh, I, I love that. I love that that attitude of, oh, man, if I could just wipe my mind and experience it fresh, I would. Like, how lucky for you that you get that. Was this, yeah. uh, was this Far From Home or was this uh, Spider-Verse? No, Spider-Verse. Spider-Verse. Okay, so even more reason for the animators to be mad at you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a good movie. You you like the for for the I think it does some really uh interesting things uh animation-wise. They have a lot of cool shading to make it look like it's a comic book. I mean, I've seen I've seen clips. Yeah, they did a good job. That's all he needs, folks. Is he's he's appraised the clips and he's decided he's not interested. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just I get hard that. To f- I'm just giving. I'm just busting your chops. <laughs> it's with stuff like that. It's just hard to feel motivated when you know the subject matter doesn't speak to you on a foundational level. It's like I'm sure I would enjoy it or at least respect it. Mm-hmm. But I've had so many examples of things like that where it's like, ah, this is clearly great, but I just don't like it. Yeah, I mean, you know? it's. I, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to think of what my thing is with that my version of that is for me and i think it's hard for me to think about it in terms of like movies because i don't see that many like i don't feel pressured to see that many movies i guess Mm -hmm. i I see movies but i don't feel pressured to see them but i think with anime that might be where i i can see a parallel where people tell me oh my god this anime is great and i i see a couple episodes and i'm just uh i'm glad you're having fun i I don't want to yuck anyone's yum but i'm i'm not I'm not following you into this one. <laughs> <laughs> following them into the pit. Uh, got any got any examples? You want to throw anything into, into oh, the muck? Oh, I mean, the, the, if, if I want to lose friends really quickly, uh, yeah, My Hero Academia is the, the big one <laughs> that, that everyone says is the second coming of Jesus, and I just don't get it. Um, I could talk for hours about how I actually think My Hero Academia is, isn't very thoughtful, uh, doesn't have very good morals. And, and isn't very good, but why spend so much time on something you don't like? Well, we've already <laughs> spent so much of this show just trashing on things that we're frustrated with, so I, I don't see why the trend can't continue, you know? I mean, the, the big thing is just, uh, I mean, I don't want to bore you with the minutia, but, but the, the core of my problem comes from the, the, the premise of My Hero Academia is the main character, Deku, doesn't have a superpower. He's in a world of superpowered people and he wants to be a hero uh i'm a firm believer that that stories should be metaphors for things i always try to find the metaphor in it because i was an english major that's just how i was trained (laughs) sure um and so i just don't understand what the the superhero powers are supposed to be a metaphor for because if you don't already know what ends up happening is by episode three uh, the best superhero in the world gives Deku his superpowers. Okay. And so I've tried in like in my head to figure out like, is is this a metaphor for capitalism? Is this a metaphor for artistic ability? Is this a metaphor for I don't know what? But it always falls apart with with, hey, even though I wasn't born with this, can I still be good at it? Yes. Let me give you all the talent you need. <laughs> Yeah, there's not really an arc there, huh? There's there's not really an arc there. The the way I like to put it is is for the anime fans out there, uh, One Piece. It's about Luffy becoming king of the pirates. He hasn't gotten there yet, but he's working on it. Uh, Naruto, the entire thing. Naruto says he wants to become the Hokage. At the very end of the series, last uh, chapter, he's the Hokage. Great for him. My Hero Academia. Deku wants to be a superhero. He's a superhero by episode three. What what are we doing? Why are we still here? 
and there's I could go I could go for hours about like the there's a whole like I'm I'm running out of words. There's a whole like societal pressure of like if you have a certain kind of quirk that you'll be a good person or a bad person. They bring this up with some some guy. His superpower is if you answer one of his questions, he mind controls you. And he wants to be a hero, but everybody says, oh, no, with a power like that, you'd be a great villain. So, like, they they even admit that, like, some characters are predisposed to being villains based on what they're born with. But there's no addressing that in the show. Like, they they make that complaint, they they register that complaint that, oh, yeah, a lot of the villains were driven to that because, like, his power is black holes, and that's just what he does. Mm -hmm. Or, like... Her power is cutting people, and that's what he, I don't fucking know. It just doesn't. It doesn't really track to me. Like the logic kind of doesn't add up. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, if if I had more time to write it down, I think I'd have a more cohesive, coherent thought on it. But the big thing is just I don't know what the metaphor is. I see. Do you think? Um, and this is kind of leading into something I've been thinking about a lot this week. Um, Ooh, do you think the appeal? is more the archetypes than the story or the arcs or the um, kind of the the events that, that transpire that, that connect to character? Do you think it like people like it because they like... Um, I don't know how to describe this, but I feel like there's a lot of people who like media for the sake of perpetual relationships and perpetual personality types that kind of exist in perpetuity without changing. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I know what you mean. Uh, there's definitely a bit of that in, in this. Like, we're just like, oh yeah, we're students. It's safe. You're in a classroom. They've been in a classroom this entire time. But I also kind of feel like there's a, a degree of, of just fatigue that comes with being derivative. Mm. Um, My Hero Academia is not the first... Uh, to, to do superheroes, they're not the. It's not the first to do the school thing. Uh, it might be the first to combine them in this way for for manga, but I'm not even sure I want to go that far. Right. Uh, I've been thinking a lot lately about it. This came about because my I was looking at this little llama uh, plush that my my boyfriend gave me, and uh, we started having a joke of like, oh yeah, you know, a llama is really just a la- like a sheep with a stretched out neck. Uh, if you think about it, <laughs> um, yeah. not really, but, but the, 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 the idea was that like, really, if you look at this thing, it's really something else just kind of modified. Right. And I've been thinking about, uh, a lot of, uh, TV shows, media that I've, I've consumed and, and thought about how I love looking into what the inspirations are, uh, for these things and love looking at, looking into like what motivates a creator to pick what they pick and what they want to adapt. Mm-hmm. Um, and I noticed a trend uh, among the things that I liked are, let's take One Piece, for example, since we're talking about anime. One Piece is a very successful anime, but I think the heart of its success comes from the fact that the creator, when he talks about his inspirations, he doesn't talk about anime. Um, mm-hmm. When Ichiro Oda, Oda talks about what inspired him to make One Piece... He'll, the first things I usually see in articles are, are he talks about Yellow Submarine, and he talks yeah. about Nightmare Before Christmas. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think similarly, uh, if we balloon this out to Star Wars, uh, for example, uh, similarly, there was a bunch of schlocky sci-fi movies that came around at the same time, a little bit after Star Wars, around the, uh, trying to be derivative of it. But what made Star Wars so special was that it was a combination of this like samurai hidden fortress story and Flash Gordon, this kind of over the top, mm-hmm. ridiculous science science fantasy thing from you know the nineteen what thirties forties, mm-hmm. um, and I'm noticing that in a lot of movies that are coming out now, a lot of TV shows that are coming out, where it just feels like, oh, this isn't inspired by something wholly different. It's deriving it from it, it's it's deriving inspiration from something very similar to what this already was. Right. Yeah. And and it, that kind of feeds back into this um, idea of appreciating something f- purely from the basis of archetype. I guess mm-hmm. in that I think there is a a wide group of people who really do just want to see very specific things when they 
consume media and I was listening to a podcast that I like. I'm not going to I'm not going to plug them because um I'm about to complain about it. And it's a podcast I like, but I uh I uh I was frustrated a little bit listening to it recently where they were talking about our favorite subject uh, of all time, Star Wars. Love it. And uh specifically the new uh the new trilogy and there was a guy on it who was a big fan of Star Wars. He grew up watching them. He, he was born in the 70s, so it was something he was, you know, or probably, I think, born in early 70s. So yeah, he was a kid when, when the Star Wars movies came out, and they're really important to him. And he was sort of saying that he likes The Force Awakens, but he didn't like the rest of the movies. And what he his big complaint with Force Awakens, and, and I was, you know, I, I like it too, but I have complaints myself, and I was kind of, almost expecting to hear the same complaints I had, but it, he ended up having the opposite complaints that I had, where he was saying, like, man, I really wish all I wanted was a scene or a couple of scenes where Luke and Han get back together again, and they just have another... another like, I w- I've been waiting decades for that to happen, and it's such a shame that Han Solo dies, and, you know, he, they never have this scene with him and Luke. I mean, I just wanted that. Yeah. And I'm thinking, like... Is that really what would make it better? I, I feel like there again, it's 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 archetype. It's it's the expectation that things are always going to be the same. And yeah, and it almost to me seems like that kind of thinking is the core of the problem. Uh, in that, I think a lot of what I didn't like about the Force Awakens was um, its insistence on trying to make these things exist in perpetuity that had already ended. Um, to to continue the scrappy rebels versus evil galactic empire um, dynamic that was concluded, you know, I, and I completely am picking up what you're putting down here. And Sorry, I, I feel like yet. no, no, and, and I this this was getting in my mind because I was starting to like think in terms of stuff like fan fiction and Disneyland and Kingdom Hearts. And stuff that feeds this mindset of you don't like the plot, you don't like the story, you like these characters to be these like perpetual mythical beings that can be inserted into anything and have the same traits and not grow and change. It a good example of this is is the difference between a show like I don't know like Breaking Bad versus a show like um, a show I really like but has a problem with this. Um, the X-Files. So in Breaking Bad, you have characters that are changing perpetually through the show and really start and end in very different places. And you can't really look at those characters as an archetype because they you would only be thinking about a specific point in time in the seri- in like the series. So if, they if you inserted so them in a different story. Yeah, you almost can't write fan fiction for Breaking Bad, although I'm sure people do without it having to exist in a specific point in time in that story, like it doesn't work because the characters were, were, were human and well-written and, and had a, uh, an end point to them. Whereas in something like X-Files, you have, you know, Scully and you have Fox Mulder and they basically have this dynamic that never changes where mm-hmm. Scully is always skeptical and always thinking, you know, realistically and that, you know, there's always a, a, a logical explanation. Then you have Mulder, who's the the, uh, the one to believe in conspiracy and, and aliens and, and supernatural things. And that dynamic never changes, even though there's so much evidence, episode to episode to episode to episode, that Mulder is correct and Scully <laughs> is wrong. And in this world, there are crazy things that constantly happen. And yet every single episode, Scully comes into it saying, well, I don't know if it's aliens or ghosts or a witch. Like, I just, I don't think so. Like, you know, think logically, everybody. And then, of course, every time she's proven wrong. And it's like, why? why? And the reason is because in those kinds of TV shows, you want to perpetuate it for as long as possible. Whereas in something like Breaking Bad, there's kind of an endpoint that started, that the show has started with in mind. And I feel like a lot of media today is being designed and maybe outside of TV because I think TV is in a strong place right now, but a lot of stuff is designed with a sort of superhero mentality of let's have a character that can be inserted into as many kinds of situations and universes and, and um, 
storylines as possible and they never really change. You know, it's Batman. Batman is like when people say, I love Batman, I don't really understand what that means because there's like 300 Batmans. Right. You know what I mean? Like Batman should be very different depending on the situation. But there, when you think Batman, you do have this idea of what Batman is, even if the the writers are different in this story and, and the artists are taking it in this other direction. Like there's still this core unified thing with Batman and I don't really understand how to appreciate a character like that when it never seems to when, – when there's no, like, concrete way that it's coming together as, like, a whole picture. Because I, I feel like, to me, a character's personality and their flaws and their weaknesses and their their quirks and all these things that make a character are almost, to me, less important than the events that the character goes through, specifically outlined in the story that they're – told in so outside of that like is there any value to them just being like a stamp that you can place onto anything else i mean what what do you think well, about that i i think you're talking about a lot of a lot of stuff at once right now um and i yeah i, I think apologize the for the of, for the word soup i kind of you know it's just it's, sort of it's totally <laughs> fine um but i think the, the a couple words are coming to mind for me um the big one when you're talking about batman for me i, I i'm thinking of is mythology and mm. i think when the case of batman that one, I think, is a little different from some of the other examples you're bringing up, just because while Batman certainly is an oversaturated uh, mythology, there are those stories that you can you have to kind of search through the chaff. You have to look for them now because there's right. so much stuff. But there mm-hmm. are those like Alan Moore, you know, killing joke style stories that are just they're they're good and they work because they expect you to already know what you know about Batman that he's a vigilante and that's about all you need to know um and then you can pop into them almost like short stories so if you've never read the killing joke I would definitely recommend it just because I think that kind of illustrates I had read the killing joke with almost no in uh era context of of what was happening there yes I know that there's stuff before it and after it that continues its continuity. But all I needed to know was Bruce Wayne is Batman, uh, and, and you know, the, the rest is kind of filled in. They tell you who all the characters are, and it's just a really solid story that's really compelling. Mm-hmm. And it is a story that doesn't really allow itself to be... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh... uh, uh Static in the same way that you're describing with with most of these superheroes, um, it is a car- it is a, a it, it it feels like it moves. Um, it, it it feels like there are are moments in that story that there are no going back from. Um, right. That said, another word that comes to mind, um, and I think think about this a lot when I think about My Hero Academia and, and a lot of uh, popular like Marvel stuff, and and to a degree even the newer like Disney era Star Wars stuff, and it's fandom. Um, mm-hmm. I think fans really like to project into into story or project onto stories. Project, uh, you know, this I'm this character. This character is my friend the characters aren't so much characters as they are tropes and archetypes and, and like relatable moments so -hmm. that you can see yourself in them and you empathize with them, not because it's well-written or it's, or it's compelling, but because you see yourself in the character. Um, In the case of My Hero Academia, most of the characters in that, in their classroom are practically non-characters, um, and I'll, 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 as an example, I'll bring up my my favorite non-character because it's not controversial. I don't think uh, I'm not going to insult anyone's waifu when I say Kaminari Denki. Uh, he's he's a superhero in in their class. Travis, with your mastery of the Japanese language, what do you think Kaminari Denki's power is? Shoots lightning. He shoots lightning. That's about all there is to his character. Okay. Every time he comes on screen, he either shoots lightning or makes a funny little quip because he's a goofy guy and then falls on his face. Mm-hmm. There's not really a story to him. There's not really an arc to him. He's, he's not a character. He's this person that you could... He's this entity that you could 
project onto that. Oh yeah, that, that's my friend Jeff. You know, like that. Mm-hmm. I've seen so many people in so many different groups project onto these characters, and for different reasons because they're not defined enough to contradict anyone who projects onto them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I feel like that's something that that you see a lot of. Uh, I'm thinking about like on on Tumblr, you would see those comics about like. Luke and Ray hanging out on the island together, or like uh, you'd see comics about like Ray and Kylo ha- living happily ever after. Things that aren't in the movie, mm-hmm. but like we want to just freeze on these moments that kind of were alluded to, so that we can put ourselves into them and develop right. them ourselves and have our own, you know, canonized experiences. The thing I'm seeing a lot lately, and maybe this is. Um, what's been spurring on this this uh, thought of mine lately is I'm seeing a lot of this related to Fire Emblem. Hmm. And I think Fire Emblem's kind of turned into an engine for this. Totally. And, and I, I here's the thing. I love Fire Emblem. I think uh, the new era of Fire Emblem has, like, from a mechanical standpoint, I really love that kind of fiddly team-building thing of just, like, making a team that I really like of characters that I think are, are cool. But... People take that into a very severe direction that I don't really understand, where mm-hmm. they make all these comic comics about really like meaningless little like relationship moments. And it seems like that's the whole thing to them. It's like the 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 appeal is like, oh, this character is really tough and manly, so he's gonna like be really cute to this little character who's like shy and sheepish. And it's like, oh, how sweet, how heartwarming and but to me, it's like what I want, what I what I feel like is missing from the new Fire Emblem games, and I, I haven't really played many before Awakening, so I, I don't really know if it was like this before or not, but I always feel like there's a lack of consequence with these characters where mm-hmm. they have these little moment arcs that are kind of like, oh, they learn a little lesson, but because there's no death, or because permadeath is like an optional thing, or because you could at any point lose this character. They end up having basically no consequence to the plot and having no real situational um, uh, concrete existence in what's happening. Like they're kind yeah. of just these floating things that that exist to have a, inject a bit of personality. And a lot of times those personalities are great, but I end up finding that the only characters that I really like are the ones I find attractive, like mm-hmm. visually. Yeah. And that's kind of all that I end up caring about in the end because they like their personalities are sort of one note and feel <laughs> like they're trying to um, sort of manipulate me into trying to save them in battle versus is are they like... Like it, it, there's a, just a weird conflict between my interest in them aesthetically versus like my strategic use of them in gameplay like i yeah i don't know did, there's just there's this, this weird is this coming from a place of did you play uh three houses at all the newest one? i did yes so I, I remember i was talking to a friend about uh the different girls in three houses and we kind of landed on this funny arrival that just i'm an i'm an older fire emblem character and so it's very weird to me that in the newer games in the you mean in this fan? one at least uh yeah fan not a character i'm i'm a fire <laughs> emblem character I'm, a, I'm an old fire emblem fan um so it's really really weird to me that there are characters now that they don't have classes assigned to them you have to find out what mm-hmm. class you want to make them and then you train them and they can be whatever class you want and classic fire emblem Every character had a class associated with it. You could upgrade them, but it wasn't as freewheeling as it is now. And mm-hmm. I think as a result of that, a lot of those characters were defined by the classes that they were um, in in a very non-minor uh, way. You know, I'm thinking of, like, whenever I, I, I think of a character like Lucius or Sarah or, or Eric or anybody the thing that comes to mind immediately after their their name is what class they were. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super weird to me that you could have this big, buff, muscular dude and have him be a dancer, right? Like, just right. have... Yeah. It, it could be whatever you want. It feels to me like the characters are, are not as defined in that way. Um, and it also makes sense 
going to what you said of of it also feels like they're maybe a little disposable because they every character has to be just as valid as the other one for mm-hmm. every possible choice. It feels mm-hmm. like uh, it's a it's a, a problem that's coming out of needing to make all these player choices matter. Uh, in in doing that, none of them matter. And I wish I could say going back to the older games would solve that problem for you, but it really doesn't. A lot of those side characters kind of just exist to be units. Well, there's always been permadeath, so I have to imagine mm. that that's just how it is. And it's funny because thinking about this, it made me appreciate um, how character is dealt with in Persona a lot more. Mm. Because I do feel like um, <clears throat> in Persona, the characters change so much and they come to such like personal re- realizations that really are a core component of the game and the experience from beginning to end because i think just it being a game that exists in a span of time it being a game that um doesn't easily give you the ability to see everything um i think makes you value um the exposure you get to characters change a lot more and mm-hmm. That just seems like something that they really understood well. Um, because I feel like the characters I liked the most were the ones that were engaged in the story, I guess, if that makes sense. Like, they really started out in one position and ended up in a, in a completely different one by the end. And a, a lot of times that's what I relate to more than anything, is how did this person react to this situation happening? How did they grow? How did they how do their weaknesses come into play? You know, those are the things that I sort of grasped onto uh, the strongest. Um, and I just don't feel that with Fire Emblem. I, I don't know. It's uh, it's a different kind of uh, experience. It just seems like it's it's creating... It's like the same thing with Overwatch. It just creates these characters that they want you to just really relate to on a, on a kind of base level and not have like a again they're supposed to exist in perpetuity i mean overwatch to me is even weirder because the characters are constantly dying a hundred times per match you know what i mean overwatch is a really weird one because uh if we go back to like team fortress 2 uh that was an odd one but they still like made it work like those characters had interactions and relationships in the context of their various games i guess that was that was like played for comedy that's like a different that's exactly what i was about to say it's like but it was played for comedy and it wasn't really like there wasn't really a story there right like it was a the story was told maybe in the comics but it wasn't to do with the characters that were in the game and I don't Whereas, think anybody was like shipping the soldier and the scout. Like it's no, not the same. It, no. Like it's not. Actually, it's not anybody, the same if, thirsty thing. If anyone thing. was being shipped, it was spy and scout's mom. But still, sure. <laughs> again, played for comedy. I feel like very much so. But yeah. it's super weird that they're they're on the cusp. I think it comes out later this year. Maybe it's next year. But they, you know, they're working on Overwatch two right now. And uh, what's the story of Overwatch? What like I don't know anybody who knows the answer to that question. What is the story to Overwatch? Like I don't think there is one. Yeah. Like there, there's a lot of allusions to events. Like there's the the Omnic Crisis, which is when all the robots went crazy. They they have allusions to like the Talon Force or whatever, like the bad guys who you can pick from. There's bad guys and good guys in Overwatch, but there's not really like a we got, there's this kind of like, when you watch the trailer, you see Winston saying like, we got to get everyone back. Back from what? What happened? Like, what, what, all this stuff is, is presented kind of environmentally and, and, and in the background and peripherally. It's a weird thing to hang your hat on the characters of Overwatch when we haven't really see them do anything. And again, I think that feeds into this modern sort of media consumption thing where it it is really the emphasis is their personality quirks it's their little relationship moments that they have like people freaked out over a little comic that like oh the tracer has a girlfriend and they she says merry christmas or something like it, yeah it's just like it, it's just well, these little <laughs> inconsequential things that are just sort of tossed around to make people like feel really oh i relate to this character on like an emotional level even though like i think when you really appreciate some a piece of media, like to me at least, and I feel like to most people, what you really grasp onto is is their growth through a story, not their little like personality quirks in this specific Absolutely. moment. I, like just out of context, it just seems so so weird to grasp onto, but people do. And 
I don't know. I, I've been like look, kind of diving into people who um, sort of take that in like these really unhealthy ways. I mean, obviously you're familiar with like the Final Fantasy house story and like, right, right. You know, people who grasp onto these um, these character traits and really just again want them to exist as like mythological gods. You know, and I mean, sort it's, of... from a creative perspective, I can understand the instinct. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember when I was working on a a, a group of short story, like uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, uh, an anthology of short stories. Um, they were all centered on the same character. And I mm-hmm. wanted them to kind of have a little bit of a growth through the the anthology, but the stories were all going to be separate. Right. And uh, I noticed as I was writing, this anthology never really came to fruition, but mm-hmm. um, it was so easy to keep the character in a static place. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was There was such a strong instinct for me to be like, oh, well... Uh, I kind of just want them to be safe and like comfortable, so the the audience can really get to know them. That that's why character moments are so important, I think, because they show you the character without leaving them uh, uh, paralyzed, without right. kind of having to put them in amber and keep them on a shelf so that we can always get back at them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was something that I definitely had to learn was I needed to l- write more character moments that kept the plot moving forward and kept the characters in a, in a actively moving state rather mm-hmm. than just letting them be comfortable because it, it's yeah. easy when they're comfortable. It's nice. I, I can dwell on what I want the audience to focus on. Yeah, and crucially, those character moments have to be driven by their flaws. And I think mm-hmm. that's something that people often forget. I mean, very serious question. Can you name me what Ray's character flaw is? Ray from Star Wars? Yes. What is her character uh, flaw? She doubts herself, dude. Does and, she? And now she she doesn't. She, uh, her character flaw is... Uh, she uses someone else's lightsaber for the entire trilogy. <laughs> and at the end, she gets her own. No, I see what you mean. It's, 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 a, good, it's a good exercise. What is this character's flaw? And, and maybe the immediate follow-up is, and how does it come to light in the story? Yeah, exactly. Because I think that a flaw is really a crucial part of a character because I think that's the one thing in a character that shouldn't change. Um, at least they shouldn't lose the flaw they should learn to work around it i guess in in most cases like or acknowledge that it's there at least i feel like characters that i like the most um they i don't know what to say about this but like again we've been watching breaking bad through through again and Mm -hmm. it's just amazing how often the story is pushed forward by a character's arrogance you know what i mean and how does that arrogance continue to develop and, and progressively make the stakes higher? And, and sometimes frustratingly, how does it continue to, to, to rob them of a, of a satisfying conclusion, you know? Mm-hmm. And obviously that changes in the sense that their situation gets more and more serious and the consequences become more and more dire. And so the, the, the arrogance has to also grow with that to continue to, to tip them over into like dangerous situations. Um, but it, by the end, I mean, it, it, it is also sort of an, uh, part of the engine that, that, leads you to a satisfying conclusion. Like they're able to almost, almost harness that flaw and turn it into a a drive for redemption in a way. And I think that that's sort of an important component. Again, like I just feel like that's lacking. And some of this comes just from, from me working in an industry that I I think has kind of lost that a bit. Uh, I continuously get frustrated with having to work with characters that don't have a described character flaw, like they're just mm-hmm. not a component of their of their personalities. And so to create conflict, we continuously have to struggle to sort of like, oh, this thing happens and they just have to feel bad about it. Right. They react to a conflict, but they're not at the core of it. No. Or if they are, it's almost like an inconsequential, like, oh, they they caused an accident because they just weren't careful. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's every, everybody does that. <laughs> you know, Like who doesn't accidentally drop a, thing and break it 
and feel you bad know, about it. <laughs> or like the flaw is that they're like too good, you know? That's yeah. another thing. Like, oh, they're they're too eager to help, so they they didn't think about the consequences of this. So it's just I don't know. I, I feel like I remember shows that I liked growing up. Again, SpongeBob is another great example. Every single character in that show has a gigantic flaw. Yes. You know what I mean? Like, that's sort of the whole point of the show and why it's funny. You know, Squidward is selfish and shitty and Mr. Krabs is greedy. And, like SpongeBob is enthusiastic to a fault. <laughs> Patrick is just stupid. Like, it's just it, like they really that's such a core of the humor. And I mean, can you imagine, like if the, everybody in that show was Sandy, it would be unwatchable. Yeah. You know what I mean? I'm I'm thinking also again. I'm remembering there's a kind of anime that kind of like exists outside of what we're talking about, but I think still fails. Um, mm-hmm. And the, I'm I'm remembering you've you've seen a couple of these, but the battle royale animes, the animes that are just about like, all right, we've got like 18 unique character designs. By the end of these 12 episodes, only one of them's going to be alive. Um, Future Diary is a good example. Future Diary, I think, I was thinking of uh, Higurashi. Uh, oh, yeah. Might be one that... that For sure, that, yeah. Uh, more recently, uh, I'm thinking Juni Tyson was one. That was the, the Zodiac War. Um, but But basically, the issue was... We have all these unique characters. We have we're we're going to move them forward. We're we're not gonna fall into the trap of of we're gonna leave them in static places. But by moving them forward too quickly, we don't get attached to any of them. Right. Like we I don't care about any of these characters. So we're just watching a bunch of unique character designs kill each other. Mm-hmm. Um. And I feel like I see one of those almost every other season in anime. There's just another one of these. Oh yeah, here's one where a bunch of people are gonna die. Um, right. Higurashi is a, a especially unique example of that because it, it's been a while since I've seen it, but I think they, they reset constantly. Like it's just a new story with these characters that are kind of, they're given new backstories and new personalities almost. And it's almost, oh, it's just the design that, that exists in perpetuity. You know what I mean? I've, I've, I think I've heard of another anime recently doing something like that. I can't remember what though. Well, I, I mean... Another good example of that is an anime both of uh, both you and I love, which is the Tatami Galaxy. Yes, where that's true. Those characters are brought in in other contexts and in a way that, like, I, I mean, I loved the movie that that came out a couple years ago, uh, uh, "The Night Is Long, Walk On Girl." That's yeah. a great movie, but I don't really understand why it needed to be the same cast. Like, why? Why does it? Why is that necessary? I guess it, it just well, makes it wasn't me confused. The exact same cast. The no, boy and it's the girl not, were the not the exact. Same. No, but like it was there's the this... ancillary characters were the same. Yeah, and they don't, they're not the like it's just I don't know. It, I, again, I'm mumbling here because I don't really know how to describe my feelings I think for I, that. I, I think I know. You mean like having that the the little kid as the book spirit and like the the guy with the big chin was in it again. Yeah, like they're they're the same characters, but they're not really. They're they're just there to kind of remind you that this is connected to the other property, in like not... just a purely narrative way too, yeah. like a thematic way. It, it just I, I I don't know why that's necessary, and I felt the same way to be perfectly honest with uh, Delta Rune. Oh yeah, um, interesting. Which again, on its own, I think is fantastic, and obviously uh, we both love Undertale uh, for tons of different reasons. Um, but, but I yeah, just don't the, understand what the motivation is for bringing all these characters back because obviously everybody who plays it is going to have some amount of baggage with that and these characters have had their stories told and having them suddenly reintroduced in a new context but with their same personalities intact it just seems a little indulgent in a weird way. And Yeah, I'll be interested to see what the final product of, of mm-hmm. Deltarune looks like because I, I definitely I, I'm, I'm, I, I feel very similarly of just like was there a reason to do this and I suspect that there's going to be a narrative reason for why the the characters are the same in Delta rune um, only based on that that Toby Fox the the game's creator has said that he doesn't want you to play Delta rune if you haven't beaten Undertale right so there, but he also there must came be out some and... reason. For that, yeah, but I can but... I can also tell that he was frustrated that people were playing it kind of expecting the moment to come where it connects. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I can understand that frustration because it's 
he wants to tell a new story. He wants to, to connect in a new way and not have it purely be appreciated because of that connection to Undertale. Because um, mm-hmm. again, I think like he did such an amazing, good job with it uh, in terms of its its. I mean, the the battle system in that game is so good, and how he like twists it in just a demo is is incredible. I mean, that that game really has um, a really like valuable uh, template for a, a bigger project. But again, I just he feels that way, but at the same time, I feel like pulling in those characters makes that 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 need for a connection almost inevitable. It's it's like uh, to to just swap out the names and see how we feel about this. Mm-hmm. It's like if after finishing Super Mario Brothers, Miyamoto then said, "Here's the Legend of Zelda. I want you to play it after you've beaten Super Mario Brothers," mm-hmm. and like the characters were the same but there was no point at which it ever like you were still a little red guy running around the overmap but it was never mario like it's never stated that that's mario like i can very much see why the fans are are looking for connections but it just has to make me think like man if you didn't want people to make connections you must have had a reason for this, right? Like, you, you must have. <laughs> and that's the thing. Like, as someone who 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 loves Undertale, like, you can't avoid that feeling. Yeah. You know, like you just you just know it's got to be in there. And maybe Toby Fox just doesn't want to do it, and that's totally Although, fair. It's his project, but at the same time, like, and and that's why the, these these like I, that's why I love characters that are linked to stories I care about because again that's that's part of the reason why I appreciate them and so I can't just appreciate them on their own in like a different context without that story because I think that story is so crucial to who they are right unless you're continuing that story I don't understand <laughs> yeah so so yeah it's like it's just it's it's a weird thing and this topic just I I find it like it's the connecting point between all these things I just don't that, that people love that I don't understand. You know what I mean? Like the, yeah. this frustration with, with disconnecting characters from their story. It's, it's also I, like, and again, you and I are going to disagree on some of this and, and that's totally fair. And I, I think it's, it's valuable Healthy. to have a conversation about that, but I, it's yeah. also the same reason why I don't really understand cosplay Ooh. and why I don't understand fan fiction. And again, kingdom hearts, because it's this, it's, it's, it's ripping things away from, from the context in which you appreciate them in a way that I just don't, know how to value i guess and i, I guess like again i can i can appreciate cosplay if it's like oh the the girl is attractive like for sure, like i, for I sure. can get that but i but being like oh, i'm living this character and i'm i'm experiencing the world through their eyes it's like no their their world was their story like the story that was told in the in the media like walking around a convention center as I don't know, Katara doesn't make you understand the perspective of that character because you're walking around the San Diego Convention Center instead of the Earth Kingdom. Like I, I don't So I, I don't so, know. It's just it's a weird it's a weird disconnect I have that I don't understand this the, the higher level element of beyond just, oh, I wanna like dress up and look cute. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like because people do take it in a very far direction of Oh, for sure. And and of, I definitely uh Oh, sorry, I don't want to interrupt you. No, no, no. I, I want to hear your, your thoughts, because I know I, you, you differ on that. I definitely differ, but I, I, I definitely see what you're saying about, like, yeah, like, if what you love about the character is, you know, their struggle, like, what they go through, their experiences, that is not what cosplaying is going to bring you, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but in my experience, uh, so... Granted, there are a whole lot of different people who cosplay. I am not a professional cosplayer, and I am very aware that there are some people out there who will cosplay as characters that they hate just because they look like them or like they, they, they're able to pull it off really well. Uh, I don't get that, but, but some people do that, for sure. Um, for me, though, I think it comes from a place of, again, it's that projecting. It's like, I want to take ownership of of this character that I really like in a certain way. Um, Not to take it away from anyone else, but, like, to really put, like, put it out there that I I have this interest in this character or this connection to this character that's a degree more, maybe, than the other characters that I felt, that I I saw on the screen there. And so, like, I'm thinking, uh, 
you know, at Anime Expo one year, I went as Mommy from Madoka Magica. And for sure, I was not thinking, like, oh, yeah, like, this is what it feels like to be the tough, you know, the, the older one. Like, this is what it feels like to be the, the strong, silent type. But mm-hmm. what I was definitely feeling was, like, okay, like, I'm getting to, you know, wear this outfit that I think is super cute and, I, and like, people are giving me attention for it. And that's really fun. But mm-hmm. also, it's almost like putting on my badge, like, hey, talk to me about Monica. Like, mm. all the Monica fans are coming up and talking to me because they can very clearly see my interest in the show. Mm-hmm. And so, for me, there's kind of a function in the convention space of, mm-hmm. like, it's a beacon of, hey, yeah, like, I like Ace Attorney, I like Monica, whatever. Again, I know people who cosplay as characters that they don't like or they don't know, and... That doesn't seem as fun to me. I just don't quite understand that. But for me, it's more about the community interaction mm-hmm. and like that that projecting that that right. ownership, that personal ownership of of a character. Right. And I want to stress it's a personal ownership, not you. You can't take the character away from anybody else. You, right. You, you have no ownership. You have no claim to the media more so than anyone else. If you, even sure. if you're a good cosplayer. Right. <laughs> but. I think it's that, expressing that connection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I guess I I totally understand that because being a massive hypocrite, I will admit to the audience that I have cosplayed. uh, Yeah, now we can pull the the sheet off. Yeah, Sam will remember that uh, in high school we went to Comic-Con together and and I dressed up as as Darth Nihilus from Star Wars (laughs) Knights of the Republic 2. And, And I'll admit... There, there was that element of, of, of it was cool to, to run into people who appreciated that, especially because that was such like an obscure thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I found, I remember I found someone who had dressed up as my like Padawan. Uh, yeah. The apprentice or my, my apprentice, girl. like the apprentice girl who showed up, Visa's Mar. And that was like this amazing moment of like, holy shit, how did this happen? How did you decide to dress up as that character? And I decided to dress up as this one. Let's get a picture together. Yeah. And I so yeah, in that moment, I can totally appreciate it. But I, again, I feel like the like high level ca- cosplay thing, unless it's all just done for like the Instagram likes, like I do think that there's this this beyond area where people take it to this level of I don't like you're you're trying to live out a fantasy of this character, and I don't really understand what that means. And you you do see that sometimes. Uh, I, I'm remembering back when I think it was like one of the first conventions we went to when we were in high school. But like the people who try to act in character uh, when they're when they're cosplaying. So I'm I'm thinking like we had a, a friend at the time who was wearing a a, a ski mask because he was going as the spy from Team Fortress Two. And there was a guy who just followed us around for like 15 minutes, shouting, spy, spy, oh my god, it's a spy, everyone look, spy, spy! And our friend also was just being in character, but he would just like kind of try to shrug it off. Right. Both these people were staying in character to the, a point of frustration. Right, <laughs> um, yeah, of course. But, but you see that at conventions, where, where somebody will think like, oh, I'm wearing a costume, and that kind of excuses some shitty behavior or that excuses some annoying behavior. Right. Uh, that's, that's never true. <laughs> you, you're never excused, even if you're just doing what your character does. Okay. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I, I, I feel like that guy probably thought he was being funny. Oh, like, for that, sure. That's, that's also part of it. I mean, I think a lot of people cosplay for comedy's sake and I can appreciate that or get annoyed by that on an individual basis. I think, um, obviously like I think, like many people, I, I uh, am tired of Deadpool uh, because mm-hmm. of cosplayers. Uh, mm-hmm. But certainly I think that there are costumes I've seen that I thought were super funny. And... Or if I see, I swear to God, if, if your way of making your cosplay more interesting is is by just putting the, the Colossal Titan mask on top of your head, uh, and now you're like Colossal Titan maid or you're Colossal Titan schoolgirl or whatever, I, I don't want to see it. <laughs> I don't care. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's a, it's know. an interesting topic. Have you ever heard of uh this is a this is a bit of a a tangent, but have you ever heard of Ember Ghost Squad? No, what's that? So, this is a a dark subject uh because it involves a shooting. Uh-oh. Uh <laughs> But there is this guy who 
fell deeply in love with a ancillary character from Danny Phantom named Oh, Ember McLean. Yes. Ember <laughs> yeah. McLean, the, uh, the, 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 the rocker. rocker ghost girl. Yeah, she was hot. <laughs> yeah, and he decided that he that she was that he was her. Oh, like deeply that like on a like cosmic level, like she was his avatar or something. Okay. And he created like this online cult that has like a couple hundred followers of people who support and they're all like their own personas of Ember and they're the Ember Ghost Squad. <laughs> and I mean, it, it's super, it sounds super silly, but he ended up shooting up his, his grocery oh, store because he thought that if he did that, he would reincarnate as Ember. Well, that sucks. And I was going down this weird rabbit hole here of like these people who, who sort of carry the torch for their deceased martyr who became the one who became Ember. Mm-hmm. And it's real creepy, and it really like makes me skeeved out. And uh, I I just feel like there's a there's an element of this like character worship that kind of gets a little too far, I guess. And oh yeah, oh yeah. I mean, uh, to a degree, I, I think she's a, a bit healthier now, but but she is the laughing stock of the internet for a reason. Uh, Christian Western Chandler, Chandler uh, has a, a a fascination with Sonic the Hedgehog slash Pikachu, and Sonic more recently, Hyperdimension Neptunia. Oh, great. Good. Good for her. She's apparently the CPU goddess. Uh, it, it can be unhealthy. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, what, what, what did you just remind me of? Uh, I, I just found out about this uh, this cult online that if you want to... Uh, it's, it's the kind of thing where it's fun to look at until you realize that people are actually getting hurt. Yeah, <laughs> um, absolutely. But, but uh, there's a, a YouTube channel called Spirit Science... Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with them. I, I found no. out about them because uh, I listened to Oni plays. Okay. But, uh, check this YouTube page out. I guess this is w- what we'll maybe leave our audiences yeah. uh, on. But uh, 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 a call of action. A call of action. A call check to out, action. Yeah. Check out Spirit Science because uh, first of all, the guy has totally ripped off the extra credits uh, delivery of of like it's you know character in front of a podium on a white background and just occasional like animation stuff same delivery but like instead of talking about video games and what why games are important and the learning that we go through the processes he talks about how like the jews caused atlantis to sink and like how by like there are seven layer levels of enlightenment and at the seventh layer level we'll all realize that we're one universal being and like it's it's crazy and it's super weird to see because this guy has so many followers and it's mm-hmm. like it's it's a real cult on the internet yikes well that is a that is a gigantic can of worms that we have just opened uh, for everybody uh, don't I, I think the big disclaimer we should put out there is uh, we do not endorse either of these cults in any way. Um, no, absolutely not. We are calling them cults because that's what they are. Please be a smart surfer when you go out on the internet and, and look at this stuff. But it's it's worth examining. <laughs> yeah, and I think the the ultimate takeaway from this and and many of our other uh, conversations is that we just we want all of you to consume your media responsibly. You know, just yeah. don't don't be, be crazy healthy. about it. Don't don't uh, don't take it in a direction that uh, leads to uh, something like this. So, <laughs> um, take it from us. You know we're pictures of of, of health. <coughs> <coughs> and with that, I think uh, I think that's uh, that's gonna do it. Uh, Have any 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 last things to say? Uh, stay healthy. Uh, don't get sick because it's cold and flu season perpetually now 2020 is the year of cold and flu season don't get a coronavirus without a lime everybody ha 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 funny jokes nailed it put in a edit in a a a, a rim shot after that absolutely not (laughs) hey everybody it's me it's travis i'm I've had a whole bottle of La Fin du Monde. I'm a little out of it. 
but I'm going to try to do our, our ending anyway. Uh, special thanks go to Aesthetics Please. Aestheticsplease.bandcamp.com is where you're going to find his uh, sweet tunes. Uh, not to mention uh, music.businesscasual.biz. Find some other, other good business casual stuff there. Our music is uh, provided generously with his permission he's our favorite our favorite musician of all time better than the Beatles so uh, you should definitely check him out and yeah I hope uh, we, we don't have any um, any social media or uh, email address or anything so you, uh, you, there's no way to contact us so uh, if you want to ask us a question uh, I'm sorry you, you just you just can't so that's uh, that's it Hope to see you next week. Stay classy, fuckers. Goodbye.